0: Welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast with me, Cathy Love. I'm a business coach who helps allied health professionals run powerful and profitable businesses in the disability sector. Join me for cutting edge interviews with leaders in the allied health and business fields, along with plenty of practical content that you can use to make your business practice perfect. Hello, everybody. Super, super cool guest on the podcast day. Well, all the guests are super cool, but this one has been a bit of a catch because it's all happened so quickly. Donna McGeorge is the author of the book I've been raving about for the last little while, the first two hours. She will also tell us it's not her first book. There's also a fabulous book about the 25-minute meeting and lots of other good stuff.
1: Welcome, Donna. Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. So you're an author and a trainer and a facilitator and what else?
1: Oh, I'm a coach, I'm a mentor, I probably should say I'm a mother, I'm a wife, um, I'm a doodler, uh, lots of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: I read the first two hours, I think I told you this the other day, I read it on a plane from Brisbane to Melbourne and I read it again about a week later and I've done some Facebook lives about it and I've you know really got it out there I absolutely loved it what what was your motivation behind writing it,
1: it, it as, as for many things um I probably the biggest one was my daughter uh joined the corporate workforce uh, not that long ago she's 27 now mm. and so she's been working for about five years and she came home um, and started talking to me about work and what she was experiencing and difficulties. And my brain was like, nothing's changed. Nothing's, <laughs> nothing's changed. And so I started to think if, if I, so all my inspiration for my workplace stuff is, is her and trying to give people the help they need to be able to just make work work because we spend so much time there. And so that was one part of it. That's a huge inspiration for my work is trying to make workplaces better for her. And the other is um, I get asked a lot. You seem to get through a lot. You seem to be able to, you know, write books, run a business, still be fairly cheerful and not stressing and, you know, tearing your hair out. So how do you do it? And I, I did a bit of analysis of how I work. Then yeah. I did looked at the science and the research and the new thinking from a neuroscience perspective and went, I reckon I'm on something here. Yeah. This idea that um, for years we've been sold this idea of looking for stuff that's urgent and important Whereas, you know, what happens if everything's urgent like it is these days and not much given to when should we do work, like energetically, when is the best time to do our work? So two of those things, one, make the world a better place for my daughter and the other, you know, how can we, you know, how can we leverage our time and energy better? And
0: get more done with
1: less. Correct. Yeah.
0: Describe what is between the covers of the first two hours
1: well, there's obviously some setup around just generally how we manage our energy. And so I couldn't write a book about energy without talking about how things like how we fuel ourselves, how we rest and how we move. And I deliberately didn't call it diet and exercise. My best to not I wouldn't have read it. <laughs> I know, right? you know, most people would have gone, oh, this is going to be one of those books. But it really just is about being mindful of how you move and how you fuel yourself for the outcome that you're looking for. So, um, I, for example, I just ate a cupcake there. I said it. Um, so well, I'm not all about, you know, only one. being good. Exactly. <laughs> um,
0: now, all well, I can say
1: about it is cupcakes. Thank you for that you, you can like cupcakes. Yet? No yeah, no worries. Oh, I can't think of that. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and so the the then so that's kind of the first little bit, and then the second part is how you divide your day up into four pieces: the first two hours, second, third, and fourth two hours. Mm-hmm. And what is given your energetic and your, your energy and your chronotype and your body clock and all of that stuff? What should you be doing in each of those quadrants? So that's the bulk of it.
0: Let's take each quadrant. So the book is aptly titled The First Two Hours because...
1: That's the most important time of the day. And research, so there'll be some people listening right now that are saying, I'm not a morning person, I'm more of an evening person. Um, And I would say that those types are um, are more rare. So about Mm -hmm. 75% of us tend to have uh, more of a, we have more energy. And in fact, our body from an evolutionary perspective, is designed to be more mentally alert in the morning and have more physical dexterity or or capacity in the afternoon. And so whether or not you're an early bird or a night owl doesn't matter. Your body's designed for mental work in the morning and physical work in the afternoon. And so what tends to happen is people, uh, all of us are involved in the information world now, knowledge world. And so most of our hardest work is thinking work. And we really should be doing that in the morning. And so the first two hours is when we should be doing our best, most highly valued, high impactful work, not email, which is what we tend to do. We come in mindlessly go through email, right?
0: I loved your commentary on email. It just (laughs) keeps popping up. Evil mail. Indeed. So what are the core activities in the first two hours?
1: It's always going to be different. So um, I was working with a group recently of of photographers um, and the first two hours for them, the most important thing they should be doing, because it's it's what is going to have the most impact on your business and what requires the most mental capacity. And so for them it was doing some editing of photos, following up on sales, those kinds of things. For any of us who work in corporate world, um, it's going to be, you know, maybe you've got a big presentation coming up and you want to block off those two hours to work on the slides and work on your scripting and make sure that you're going to nail that presentation. If you have to make some big decisions, there's a whole bunch of studies done that if you have to make important decisions, best to do them before midday. If you don't, you could be suffering from decision fatigue. Um, So there's some really interesting studies around that. Um, And so just basically anything where I need to use my head, And I want to, and it's going to have a big impact on my world. The numbers work. Yeah. All your money stuff, your
0: performance numbers, business planning.
1: Yeah, just the stuff that, um, you know, if we were talking Stephen Covey, we might say big rocks. Yep. You know, the things that, that if you, you know, if you do them first and you do them well, they'll have a tremendous impact on the rest of your life, day, life, whatever. And so, you know, some people will say, oh, I have to do email at the beginning and, And I would say, look, the emails you would do in the first two hours are the ones that require a really considered response and you need Mm. to think about it and concentrate on it. So it's okay to do them then. But that's only about 10% of your email. The rest of it, we just leave till later in the day.
0: Yeah. And sitting in email is a ton of stuff that shouldn't be in email, I believe. So there's a ton of in-house communication that happens in email and I would... Uh, like to stick my neck out and sort of say that stuff should be happening in Asana or Slack or some other communication app where it's channeled and it's sequential and you're not hunting and using that search box at the top of your email to find the thread of things. So I, I think actually be, agree. Yeah, I think you can reduce your email load uh, really nicely. Obviously, don't um, unsubscribe from your newsletter or mine, but all of the other ones. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, I actually, if anyone's listening who is subscribed to me, permission granted to unsubscribe because um, most of what you'll find, what I do is I, I actually do unsubscribe from, from emails because I get a lot of my content now, as you say, in other forms. So yeah. if I want to read your stuff, I'll follow you on LinkedIn or I'll follow you on Instagram or Twitter or on Facebook. And that's and I actually do a lot of my consumption of that stuff, yeah. sitting in trams, on the way to and from meetings, in the gaps, and when I'm on the couch, you know, watching back episodes of Star Trek, um, I'll oh, sit God. there our social media, right? That took a dive. Did it? Sorry. Oh, that, that, yeah, sorry. Okay. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to edit that? On that, it's
0: gone from cupcakes to Star Trek. All good. <laughs> So email is just such a trap, and it just shoots people's blood pressure up. And I could imagine it would be quite a learning curve to learn to to glance at email and pick out the one or two, three, one or two things that do have to get done in the first two hours. Uh, but to practice that surveillance is very, very liberating.
1: Um, I completely agree. Now I actually think a lot of people already do this; they don't just they just don't realise it. And so there's a large percentage of people that grab their phone the moment they wake up in the morning. And so it's literally by the bed. And mm. so they, what often they'll do is they wake up, they pick up the phone and they open their email and they already glance and just check, you know, what's going on. Then most people put the phone down, go off and, you know, shower, dress and mm. um, get ready for work and blah, blah, blah. And then they get to work and away they go. And so, so I actually don't think it's as tough a shift as we think. There's a couple of things, Um, you know, kind of back to your point around all the internal email that comes from various internal functions being done better in some kind of internal social media or group collaboration tool. Um, There's there's a couple of things that come with that. One, then the onus is on me when I want the information to go looking for it and I have to let go of a little bit of a sense of entitlement. So a lot of the email that we get has come from people saying in organisations, I wasn't informed, no one communicates with me, And so we get bombarded with that stuff. And so Mm. IT are going to do some maintenance at some time and they need to let everyone know. So I think there's a sense of responsibility. So with no email comes great responsibility. We have to go looking for that stuff. Um, And the second thing is I reckon we just need to, you know, compartmentalise that. And so Outlook, uh, you know, is so great in terms of how it can organise and... um, automate and all that sort of stuff. So I don't think we use that enough. I think many of us are still from the olden days when email was pretty clunky. Now it's amazing. It can do so much to help you be automated. Um, and so I think there's, there's a couple of things there that um, I think we need to think about, but also be mindful that we we are a bit addicted to it. Um, and so this it's a habit that we've formed of coming in and doing email first. And I reckon there's an opportunity for us to just start a new habit um, and and I've, I've just been reading um, James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, which is amazing. Um, oh, I haven't read it yet. Oh, look at that. Oh, no, seriously good. Um, and and also Charles Duhigg, who wrote The Power of Habit, both mm-hmm. of them talk about um, substitution rather than um, stop or abstention. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And so instead of doing email, it's, it's planned what you're going to do in those first two hours so you don't end up trapped in the letting email run your day. Yep. So that first two
0: hours you describe as being uh, proactive uh, mm-hmm. and it's about high impact task and high intensity work. What does the next two hours look like? You describe that as being reactive.
1: So, most of us, particularly if we're leaders, we have to be able to respond to our team's needs. They um, they need stuff from us. People need our smarts um, in organisations. Mm-hmm. And so, if you remember, I said that um, up in you know the morning is for mental activity and the afternoons for physical activity. We've still got capacity in the morning, so that's where I say that's where you open yourself up for meetings. That's where if your team members need their one-on-ones to to work on Mm -hmm. projects and talk to you, um, so you can actually, I've still got the mental capacity to share my smarts with the world, but it might be that it's important to them, not as important to me. Um, So it would be really easy. So again, you know, I don't mean to throw stones because I'm a big fan of Stephen Covey, but he talked about things that were important and not important. And for me, it's like I just can't imagine a workplace anymore where anyone is doing anything that's just not important, Yeah. just who it's important to. And so in that second two hours, you're allowing yourself and you're being open to other people have stuff that they need from me um, and so I'm going to make myself available to them.
0: So potentially team-facing meetings, communication, performance, troubleshooting, hopefully not too much, Uh, but the door's open. I think the first oh, yeah. two hours, the door's closed. Hopefully you have a door to close, uh, but the second two hours is door open and you're up for it and it's not your agenda. It's actually, as you said, reactive.
1: Someone else's agenda. And look, I really love your thinking around, you know, I might shut the door in the first two hours and then open the door. So that kind of bit got a bit of legs, you know, again, um, there was a period of time where open door leadership, etc., was a big thing. And mm. so I'm a huge fan of, Door closed time, and even if you're in an open plan where you know no one has offices, which is very common these days, your team will get to know when you've got closed door energy about you. Yeah, yep, right. And so you set the boundaries around that, so they know that at this time of day, best not to interrupt because very shortly there's going to be their a turn. and it's going to be their turn and it's going to be okay but you as the leader or manager or even just anyone working you can set those boundaries
0: yeah so you describe it in your model as that second hour as being high intensity but low impact yep. activities I love that model I'm just saying I've got a, a legal photocopy of it enlarged on the wall but I won't tell you or your publisher about that copyright breach
1: oh so it's a thing cool So, what you don't need to have an illegal photocopy, I'll pop one in the post to you. In fact, I'm sorry that it didn't end up if you buy the copy in the shops, you don't get it. If you happen to get it from me or it's handed to you from me, we've got this little card that we have that has that master model on it, and it's actually designed to you know stick on someone's desk so that they can see what they should. So, I'll send you a bunch of those so you can. can Cool, you know what, you could develop a scorecard on top of that. Look, I reckon I could. I've had lots of people give me some um, advice around how I could even make it swivel. So if maybe you're yeah, not a morning gamify person. Gamify it. Yeah, I know. Like maybe we should gamify it. Mm,
0: anyway. anyway, we digress. So then lunch happens. So yes. I'm, I can't remember whether this featured in your book. I'm a big fan of lunch. It is this bright yellow thing that sits in my calendar. One of my mentors told me to put lunch in luckily a couple of years ago and most days I do get out and do something resembling lunch. What do you come across in your training about lunch habits for people
1: or lack of... yeah, so most of most of the time, you know, in a Western culture, and I, you know, quote unquote Western culture, we're really slack about lunch. Oh, I um, it. And so we'll work through lunch. We'll say, "Have let's have working lunches." It's almost like anyone who chooses to take a lunch break is almost this. Oh, you know, like lucky you getting to take a lunch break. It's mm. all there's some kind of there's disparaging remarks or something. Now I learned the value of lunch when I lived and worked in China for a couple of years, and in China, lunch is sacrosanct. Um, at 12 o'clock the place empties out and the only people sitting at their desk are the foreigners who have, you know, who are sitting there having a lunch meeting over the phone or something. And so um, I learned that you block that time out, no one ever books a meeting and there's two things you do, or actually three things you do around lunch is, A, you go have something to eat and generally it's nutritious, something so the Chinese are really good around their food, in my experience, you know, genuine Chinese food, not some of the rubbish we get here. Um, the second thing is you go for a walk, so you get out in nature somehow. Mm. And the third thing you do is have a nap. Oh, so wow. I know it was glorious. It took me a while to get into this groove. Um, the guy who was a Chinese guy would come back from lunch next to me and he'd put his head down on his desk for, you know, about 20 minutes and just have a little nap and then he'd be up and go for the afternoon, like, you know, ready to go. And I just think we, we foreigners, Westerners, uh, could learn a lot from that from that way of operating.
0: Yeah. So in your training, do you see people taking lunch breaks like this? As in when, when they're participants in, in training? Yeah, when you're working and consulting, is lunch just.
1: Lunch is a lunch, lunch time. So, so as a as a professional trainer, if I'm front of room and I'm running a class, often lunch is seen as the time to go and catch up on my real work. And so they'll spend the morning with me doing some stuff. Lunchtime they'll disappear back to their desk, do a bunch of work, then come back to me, shoving a sandwich down their mouth, ready for the afternoon session. Oh, wow. But but in corporates generally, um, I remember I remember one client I was working with. They were taking a lunch break. And I said um, we were working in the city in Melbourne in the CBD. And I said, "Go, go, take an hour and just wander around the city." And they looked at me nearly blankly, like, "What do you mean?" So just go for a walk. Mm. And they'd never taken more than about a ten or fifteen minute break at lunch. Oh. And so I, I just find that crazy that we don't um, we don't do that, that we don't take the break. No one, when you you know when you're on your deathbed, no one's ever going to say. Thank you, Kathy, for never taking a lunch break. Yeah. You were amazing. Yeah. No you should one's ever
0: more there. time at work. That's right. Correct. A lot of people listening are allied health professionals and run their own businesses, so they're in private practice. And I know when I was in private practice, I never took a lunch break. And I did eventually get older and wiser and I would disappear uh, down the street. Um, there may have been cupcakes in those... 30-minute breaks, there might have been hot chips, there might have been retail therapy, there may have been all sorts of other bits and pieces. But um, I now, as, and as the years went on in the business, that became more and more important for a variety of reasons. So having a point of comparison of what the day is like with lunch breaks and without lunch breaks and what the week is like and what the month is like and what the year is like, absolute game changer.
1: Well, and I'd even say... Um, in, in the in the work that you and your listeners would be doing, it's like you got to get your own mask on first, right? And so you cannot be of service and help others if you're not in good shape yourself. Mm. Um, and I would say that what you just described there, it was less about what you ate—cupcakes, hot chips, whatever—and more that you were taking a break and stepping outside and getting some fresh air and going for a walk. And so that's I'd be saying if you have to if you have to kind of fold time. I haven't got time to have lunch. And then have a break, or have lunch on your break. You know, and go for a walk. That's that's for me is is the win. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I reckon you've got a whole book on lunch ahead of you.
1: You know what? How funny! (laughs) I I could. I'm looking forward to the research on that one.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm happy to help. Happy to help. The other little lunch thing, because we've still got four more hours of the day to talk about. But the other thing about lunch, and it, it. I started this. I'm going to say I started this three or four years ago. I actually and I've only failed once or twice is not to eat lunch at my desk. And so there are those that do have a lunch break as such, but it's sort of managing forkfuls of tuna salad while they're checking emails or catching up on social media or all the rest of it. So it is about a personal definition of what lunch is and what it isn't and how could it be even more spectacular for you.
1: Well, look, I, I think there's something about what happens in spaces. So we anchor different states and thoughts and feelings mm. and, and stuff. So when I'm sitting at my desk, usually that means I'm in, in work mode, I'm in email mode, I'm in, you know, whatever that might be. I'm sitting at my desk to do work. Um, and even in my own home office, I've got a couch. And um, for me, when I'm on the couch... That's it, it, like the office is is you know pretty much one room. But mm-hmm. when I go and sit on the couch, that's when I'm taking time out. Yep. And so that yep. I eat lunch over over on the couch so that I don't contaminate quote unquote my work space. Not just with the state contamination, but even just the crumbs and stuff. Crumbs. And, you know, like your computer doesn't work as well when under the keyboard if there's a few crumbs and stuff under there. So mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Yep. And we we'll just. Quickly drop this in conversation move on to the rest of the day. but lunch when you're driving. So I've arrived at plenty of meetings and visits with um, relics of lunch uh, down the front of me, uh, and yeah, that is the other place that lunch happens. Whether that's lunch, I don't know, it's open to interpretation but is a bit of a foxy one.
1: Well, I think what we need to do is to is, is separate having lunch with eating. Mm. right So if we're saying we're having a lunch break, is a lot different to I'm eating something or eating lunch. Um, And I would definitely say, yeah, I can't can't tell you how many times I've had a crack at eating something in the car and got there and sometimes I don't realise it and I look down all of a sudden and go, oh, my God, there's a big squatch or something down there.
0: I know. Sorry, people. All right, so we're back from lunch and we've had a walk and a nap and some dumplings and something uber nutritious. I'm sure dumplings are uber nutritious. Um their own food group in my life mm-hmm. and then in the afternoon it's low impact low intensity but it's active time so what's that third lot of two hours about
1: yep yeah, so I, I gave it the label of active because it's a it's two things it's about now is when we if we tried to sit at our desk and do work that required concentration we're going to feel dopey and sleepy so mm-hmm. people talk about that that sleepy slump after mm-hmm. lunch and you can um, you know, mitigate that a little bit yep. by taking a walk or having a bit of a nap just after lunch and you can kind of be a bit more act- active. But our actual body clock and our body is designed for more active stuff. And so this is when I say, do something that requires maybe a bit of physical activity. So filing, um, i have not many people file these days. I heard people talk about um, 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 shredding, Um, I had the other day, I had a big pile of things that needed hole punching, perfect time of day to do that, sit and hole punch. So repetitive, um, routine Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. kind of tasks are the best to do where I don't need to think that much. Um, And it's interesting, even though I say they have low impact, I reckon just about everything has impact in -hmm. your world. So again, Mm -hmm. it's a little bit like Stephen Covey saying things that aren't important, Um, but it's the things that um, you just shouldn't do in the times when you want your brain to be more active. Yeah. It's Still
0: different. satisfying activity, purposeful, Correct. satisfying activity.
1: Correct. Yep. Um, and this is where I reckon you should so uh, process your email. So I think there's a difference between replying to email and processing email. And so, again, yep. if we separate those out, processing email is, I go through delete, delete, file, file, um, unsubscribe, unsubscribe, quick reply of yep, nope, got it, thanks, all of those kind of things. You can mm. do that after lunch. Um, then the big response to the big question from a big client or a boss or something like that. If I, I would leave that until the following morning. If I have got the, um, if I yeah. can, if there's no urgency around it.
0: Yeah. And because it's got movement, it could also be uh, maybe some walking meetings and some walking catch-ups and using the movement part of the agenda of the day to get some lighter, habitual, repetitive things done. I love a walking meeting. Is this a good spot for it as well?
1: Absolutely. Now, I I reckon walking meetings fit just about anywhere, but they're particularly good here. Um, And I sometimes think we just forget them as an option. Uh, so particular, I think they're best with one-on-one. So anytime you're meeting just one other person, why not take it for a walk? Mm -hmm. Um, and I have seen people do, do group meetings around that as well, or meeting while standing up or yeah, just, just get, get moving, be active. So you'll often see back in the kind of mid to late nineties, it was very trendy to have, you know, ping pong tables and stuff like that in workplaces. (laughs) Um, And then they kind of died away for a little bit um, and now they're just starting to see a resurgence as people get that this afternoon time, that's the perfect place to go and have a game of ping pong with your mate, uh, you know, down in the um, rec room or the lunch room because, again, it gets the blood pumping ready for our um, second wind. uh,
0: Yeah, processing food and all of that stuff. Beautiful. And then there's the last two hours, which um, I, in my experience, I haven't always done this well. This has been one of my more recent habits uh, in the last uh, kind of few years. But I have a bit of a hunch that this could be really missed. And if you haven't managed the two lots of two hours prior to this, you're kind of on the catch-up and your blood pressure's going up and you're trying to pack... The whole day into 90 minutes because you haven't allocated energy across the day so I love this part of the day the last two hours it's low intensity high impact and it's about being pre-active
1: yes so it's about preparing yourself Mm. to be the best you can to get kind of the momentum going for the next cycle of time Um, and so First of all, you will get a second wind of energy. So the body's designed that you'll start to see an energy surge again, so you'll start to feel a little bit more um, energetic. So you have got to, even though I say it's um, low intensity, there will be some increase in Uh mental capacity again. But it's the time when you should, if you've done, if if you're following the model and it might take you a while to get on the cycle, the the reverse of a vicious cycle, the positive, you know, first two hours cycle, um, Then this last two hours is clean-up time. So it is just going to wrap up a few last-minute things. Um, I might just check my email once more in case something urgent has happened. Um, But really it's about how can I organise my life, my day, both professionally and personally Mm. to be able to give myself the best start to the next day. And so I I actually now I'm in such a habit of this, I can't fall asleep now without deciding what I'm going to wear the next day Mm -hmm. because I don't want to wake up in the morning and many of your listeners will have had this moment where you're standing in your jammies in front of the wardrobe that's full and chock-a-block full of stuff. But there's nothing to wear. I've got nothing to wear. And so I always decide before I go to bed and I hang it separately so I don't have to think about that. Um, I decide what I'm going to eat. If I'm taking lunch or, or something like that, I'll always take have that ready to go the next day. If I'm going somewhere different, I don't know where I'm going. If I'm driving somewhere differently, I'll figure out the route the, uh, the, the night before so that when I get up, I'm good, good to yeah. go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's other parts
0: of it for me personally and that's what I call closed-loop thinking. So mm. stuff I might have started in earlier in the day or the week or whatever but just hasn't landed. I've just wanted some brew time on it. It's really cool to close down as many of those loops as possible so that you don't have that stuff spiralling when you are trying to wind down across the day um I also like to look into my calendar for the next day or even a few days later and have all of that scheduled but to have also done a little bit of the mental work uh, Mm -hmm. for the next day so sort of getting pre-active on the thinking about the the tasks coming up uh closing things down I might want to check um some numbers around things I might want to Um, check in with my team about where they're up to and sort of close their days down a little bit. Uh, We might also need to slate what still is open and needs to be done sooner rather than later. Uh, And so for me, it it is the best possible chance of A, having a good day, like a a good day starts the night before, but it's also about um, closing the work Cathy down um, for the best possible chance of a half reasonable evening with family or friends or whatever else. And I just don't think this stuff's done well.
1: Well, um, you know, you've hit on another inspiration for the work that I do. You know, when I'd be working with a, a client and, and I'd hear them say things like, this was kind of the inspiration for the meetings book that you alluded to earlier, that they'd say they spend all their day meaningless back-to-back meetings mm-hmm. And then have to do their real work, quote unquote, at night. And so, by the time they got home, they'd be having to shoo the kids away so that they could finish off the emails and stuff like that. And they'd be yeah. kind of they always they used to refer to it as their second shift. So they do their first shift yeah. at the office and their second shift at home. And and I'm, I just I just think that's just not right. Like and mm. so that was the inspiration for for writing that book. And so if you think about the the whole the four quadrants of the day. You know, if, if any of your, your people who are, any people who are listening are thinking, "Well, when am I supposed to have meetings?" Um, you know, my my suggestion would be you probably should try and only have three or four meetings a day, mm. right? And I would say that they're sandwiched, pardon the pun, over lunch. So some before lunch that need high level yeah. thinking, some after lunch that don't need. Might some lunch lunch that sleep. might just be routine meetings, yeah. but leave your morning and your afternoon for the for the good work right yeah. for, the, for the stuff yeah. yeah yeah
0: tell us a bit about your theory on meetings <laughs> gosh <where laughs> in that?
1: In, in polite language well um I don't even have to tell you about mine I can tell you that most most people when they hear the word meetings roll their eyes and groan mm. um that you know there, there's too many of them they go for too long we don't have the we don't know what we're there for um wrong people are at some and the right people aren't at some all sorts of things or there's
0: a lack of meetings about core business
1: so so usually if anyone's complaining about a meeting it's because they don't really understand the purpose i think it all it all comes back to the root cause of i don't understand the purpose of the meeting um i just did a blog this week on are we meeting or are we governing because often we, we've forgotten that the purpose for a meeting often is because there's a, there's a piece of work we're doing and this is the governance forum we have for managing that piece of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so, and I think we've kind of lost a little bit of that. So yeah. I agree. Meetings have to happen. We absolutely have to do them. Yeah. I just think we could do them better. I think we could do them in half the time and I think we could double the impact, which is the tagline of my other book, The 25-Minute Meeting. Why 25 minutes? Uh, so I piggybacked on the back of all the research done by a gentleman called Francesco Cirillo who wrote a book called The Pomodoro Method. Oh, let's get into went, that. I know, right? It's really cool. And he um, he discovered that he, he tested a whole bunch of times across, you know, testing people doing work and how accuracy, focus, all sorts of things were measured, and the magic number he came up with was 25 minutes as mm. the period of time that people, if they did work in 25-minute bursts, stopped for a five minute break and then did another 25 minute burst they were way more productive and got more done so I wrote both of my books using his method um and so and I I I don't mean to sound boastful um but I wrote both of those books in three months from conception to finished manuscript in three months which if anyone out there is thinking about writing a book or tried to write a book that sounds really unheard of it was that that very focused productivity and so I just sorry can be done absolutely and so I just went to his thinking and thought well how can we apply that to meetings so then I started looking at research around distraction Mm. um around focus some of the newer thinking from a neuroscience perspective around um related to focus and um, multitasking and some of the times varied from 18 minutes to 25 minutes um and so I landed on 25 and then I've personally I've been running 25 minute meetings for years Mm. um so I then um, just, yeah, put it, put it all together in a book to help the good people of the world.
0: Oh, amazing. So how do you apply, apply the Pomodoro technique in your everyday goings-on? It's,
1: when, it's, it's often in the first two hours of the day if I want to overlap them. So if, I'm, if it's important to me to bang out 2,000 words for my book because I'm very scheduled about how I, you know, Mm -hmm. very methodical about how I write my books. Mm. And so I'll say, right, so the first two hours tomorrow I'm going to dedicate to writing and I'll split that into four pomodoros. Okay. So four 25-minute chunks. And the five-minute break, you know, you guessed it, I get up from my desk, I go, I take a break and then I come back, right? (laughs) Yeah.
0: You've actually, and when they mean five-minute break, it is step away from the work.
1: Yeah, now I do allow myself sometimes a quick flick through Instagram, that for Mm -hmm. me has taken a break. Usually though, five minutes is about enough time to go to the bathroom, pop the kettle on, make a cup of tea, grab a cupcake and get back into it.
0: Yep, and it's the break that actually gets you hungry for the next 25 minutes sprint as such.
1: Well, yes, and there was some research done a long time ago by um, Frederick Winslow-Taylor who did all the time in motion work mm. and he found that even with physical work so we, we're talking mostly about mental work but he even found with physical work it was a similar model that mm. um i think he did a study where they were loading iron onto the back of um railway uh, uh carriages um and so he um uh, found that men the men who loaded for 25 minutes and then took a 35 minute break and then did another 25 minutes and a 35-minute break, their capacity was 600% higher Mm, than people that did a full day with a 15-minute break, a half-hour lunch and a 15-minute break. And so this idea of bursts of work, we're nearly designed for it physically Mm. and mentally.
0: Yeah, cool. I um, run Pomodoro a little bit differently, similar, but differently. I block out parts of my day where I'll work that method for maybe an hour, maybe two at the most, because I just forget to stop. Yeah. And I have timers, but I'm sort of in flow when I just overshoot the timer, whereas I'm, I'm learning that the value is in the stopping. Um, but I run it on 25 minute tasks, but I also run it on 50 minute tasks and then have a 10 minute break. I, I don't know if I'm just a bit slow to get going with the thinking, but once I get going, I actually resent the having to stop it. So I've stretched it out to 50 minutes. And it works really well, but I only do it for about two hours at the most because I just get myself so confused and I often need to work on to some other things. So, um, yeah, it's good Francesco, fun.
1: Francesco Cirillo would agree with you. He'd say that um, you shouldn't do more than four Pomodoros before yeah. taking a good solid break so a good half hour break yeah yeah Um, donna mcgeorge would say um whatever works Mm. So, so we're all so different and unique so my books are all written around the i wouldn't say lowest common denominator but the most common so our bodies are designed for it but of course we're all different we're evolving we don't know the impact of all of that yet so I would say if you've got a system that works and you are as productive as you want to be, you're not tired, you're getting done what you want to get mm. done, you're, you're achieving results and I'd say keep doing it. If, however, you kind of got to the end of the day and you didn't quite get done what you wanted to, then I'd say try something else, you know. Mm. If 50 minutes for the 10-minute break works, keep doing it. If it doesn't, try 25 plus a 5-minute break.
0: I guess it comes back to having that awareness of managing your energy rather than your time. And awareness about what serves you and what doesn't, and definitely that awareness about having your door, the value of having your door closed, and that that is okay.
1: Yeah, that look, that that it's okay to focus. And so, in, in modern workplaces, we don't always have the capacity to shut a door, but we do have the ability to whack in some headphones. Yep. So that's, that's kind of the new my door is shut signal mm. that you see someone with their headphones in, that, that's usually a sign that, that I'm going to have to quite interrupt, which is no different to knocking on a door, right, because you're going to have to pull the headphone out. So there's some things we can do to signal that we want that quiet time and I'm all for it. And all the new science suggests that there is no such thing, in effect, of, of successful um, multitasking. We yeah. end up doing both yeah. of them half as good. Yeah, and then yep. doing one well. Yeah, yeah.
0: Before we hit record, uh, a little while back, you sort of said, "Oh, is this video? Will everyone see my post-it notes?" And then we both compared. <laughs> you can't really see my post. Well, you saw some of my post-it notes. So we are um, we are equal first in the use of post-it notes. How do you use them?
1: So for me, it's about it's it's kind of a spin-off. Um, the visual, uh, planning and, and tools that are used in the, um, lean, uh, lean manufacturing models. So mm-hmm. I spent a bit of time with a, a couple of automotive manufacturing companies and wandering around their plants and I would see these big boards with all their visual planning and stuff on them and I got really, that that really floated my boat. So that's, that's one aspect. The second is um, like about 80% of us, I'm a visual person mm-hmm. and um, I, I, I find calendars and apps and all of that useful when I'm on the tram, but when I'm actually wanting to think and plan and project and I, I need to see the whole picture in front of me. And so what, what you're seeing, um, in, if, you, if the listeners were looking behind me, is my whiteboard in effect that's just got my major projects and then all the little elements of that. And they're kind of color coded. Mm. Um, but I, as I mentioned to you again, before we hit record, I said, um, I also have a moleskin notebook and I carry that with me everywhere and I write stuff down. And on the one hand, that's because just, you know, call me old fashioned. On the other, science tells us yeah. Remember and do 45% more if you write it down.
0: Motor memory. Correct. Motor memory. So you're familiar with Kanban principles? A little bit. Okay.
1: Mm. Not not enough to at all comment yeah. right now, just a little yeah. bit. Yeah. But
0: that is all that came out of Japanese manufacturing in the 50s, yep. 40s and 50s, yep. and that is about uh, making workflow visual. Yes. but also limiting the work in progress so that rather than the overwhelm of having everything flashing at you from a post-it note is to pull down the 10 for the week,
1: the um, three for the day, and the one thing you're working on right now. So Love it. Um, and so now that you've said that, my I would say, yes, I am familiar with that because mm. I, haven't, I haven't plastered it there. There's two things I love about it. So a guy called Dr Jason Fox wrote a great book called The Game Changer, um, and it was the key principle in it is making progress visible as a motivator. Yeah. So a lot of people are motivated when, when progress is visible. Um, I don't really mean to do this, but I'm, I'm going to do a quick kind of plug for um, a book that's, that's in conception right now. But it's the third book in my series of, you know, the 25-minute meeting, the first two hours, and it's going to be called The Next Two Weeks. And it's mm. exactly that concept. Just what do we need to do in the next two weeks? Um, Because, again, my little manual process is I I think about the next two weeks of what I need Mm -hmm. to get done. And I kind of, every night I think about what I've got to do the next day, but mostly I've got my horizon set for what's happening over the next two weeks.
0: Ooh, love it. Have you heard of a guy called Jim
1: Benson? No, should I? Yeah, I can't scamper
0: off and get his book, but his work is all about personal Kanban.
1: Oh, I love it.
0: Yeah, he's really cool. I've done some training with him and I'm spending some more time with him in November as well. Uh, And that's all about how you pretty much take a 12-month business plan right down to 20-minute Pomodoro Tech tasks. Happy day. I think
1: he and I would get along just fine, don't
0: you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's um, very, very cool, uh, super smart, just hilarious, hilarious presenter. Um, he doesn't get out here very often, but the book is the book is kind of good, and the website gives you a few clues as well. So, um, mm.
1: mm.
0: mm. all righty. So you get the talking stick to kind of close this racy conversation out. What are your uh, What are your suggestions for busy self-employed people regarding their energy and time and task?
1: Well, I'm going to come back to the good old, you know, put your own mask on first. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when you're a people helper, in whatever context that is, um, we tend to put other people's needs and priorities first and then it's not until we're collapsing with the latest flu or bug or head cold that we realise maybe we should have been taking a bit better care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so my advice is always going to be what are you doing each week to to take care of yourself. And and because I'm not a huge, you know, diet um person, I am gonna say, and if that's grabbing a cupcake, to spoil yourself. It's not so much the eating the, the, the cake, it's the, the time out to sit and enjoy. You mm. know, it took me about ten minutes to eat the cupcake because A it was so pretty I didn't want to destroy it to start with. But I ate it with a spoon so I wasn't just shoveling it in my face and there was the mindfulness of that experience Um, and so I think that's when we talk about the difference between lunch and lunch I think that's what we're talking about so are we taking care of ourselves are we you know what what are we doing on weekends so Mm -hmm. if we're busy nine to five Monday to Friday what are we doing on the weekends to recharge our batteries Um, I'm a huge proponent of sleep Um, our bodies are designed for sleep one of my superpowers yeah, it's my superpower. People say, Donna, how do you do what you do? I'm like, I sleep every night, eight I hours. Can't. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I do solidly. And I know what interferes with my sleep to avoid. And I know what helps my sleep to do more of. And so, I mean, I don't mind, again, I don't mind a glass of wine from time to time. But I know the moment I have a glass of wine, I'm probably not going to sleep as well. I'm not going to feel as good in the morning. Yep. So, yep. Uh, so I'm very, very choiceful about when I mm, I sleep. Sure. Um, And so, yeah, I'd I'd be saying take care of yourself, sleep well, have mindfulness moments and, and, you know, self-care is critical.
0: The daily cupcake moment is what I've just written down
1: maybe there's a book in that
0: (laughs) i hope there's a cupcake at least
1: (laughs) oh someone said to me i was at um where was i the other day oh that's right i was doing the audio book for one of my books so doing the recording Mm -hmm. and um at the end of every chapter well actually the end of the first chapter i said to the the sound guy i need to pause for tea and he said that's your next book (laughs) <laughs> so it's pause yeah. for tea, maybe it's pause for cupcake, you know. Yeah. So we can all pause for whatever we need to
0: from time to time. Absolutely love it. Thank you so much for sharing up your wisdom. We've got to make sure that you come back and talk to us when this next book is uh, ready to go. So um, thank you, Donna. Absolutely my
1: pleasure, Kathy. Thanks for having me.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. For show notes and other resources, please visit practicemadeperfectpodcast.com. While you are there, you can subscribe for future episodes and continue your business adventure with me. And please be sure to share this and other episodes with your friends and colleagues.